Hey, Lighthouse Niagara family, this is Pastor Joel Sloss. I hope that the message you received today blesses you so, so much. Lord, we thank you this morning. You desire to speak into every heart and life here today. No one is here by chance. Lord, you knew that they would, they would be here, and you desire to speak into their heart. And so I pray that anything, anything that would hinder, anything that would distract, anything that would take away would be removed right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, we commit, I commit each and every heart and life into your hands. Lord God, that there would be a keeping of your word. And Lord, that there would be a fruit that would come from your word even today. I pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone says, amen, amen. Children, you may be dismissed, and uh, just good to have all of you here today. Uh, for those that are visiting today, I recognize I see there's a number away today, but uh, you are here, and uh, I'm Pastor Dave, and uh, it is so good to have the opportunity to uh, not just some, some have said that pastors only work on uh, Sundays. I, this is the only day that I work. And, uh, oh, my goodness, I wish. I wish. Um, but it is so good uh, for you to be here today to hear the word of the Lord, and he desires to speak. This morning, we continue with this series of, of giving thanks, to give thanks and if you missed any of them, hey, you check out Lighthouse Niagara, uh, the website, or you can go to YouTube. I find it's easier to go to YouTube for me. I go to YouTube, and I'll listen to the messages even afterwards. And it's like, man, to hear the word again, not only to prepare the word or to speak the word, but then to hear the word as well. And uh, the good thing is I can, I can put myself to two times speed, so it's, it takes half the time. And, and it works. I, I've, I've come to recognize that with uh, the, most of the people that are out there, they, they speak a lot faster than I, than I do. So um, you can actually take it in at two times speed. Uh, I do it all the time. So with that, it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 16 to 18, and, and Paul is given giving a, a bunch of instruction as he finishes off this letter to the Thessalonians. And it's very upbeat and positive, even in the negative. It says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you, that even in the... Uh, <clears throat> In the negative times. And I, I know, hey, listen, you say, Pastor, do you ever have negative times? You better believe it. We all go through trials and tribulations. We go through storms of life and whatever. But I'll tell you right now, it is much better as we recognize we are children of God and that God knows what we're going through and he is there for us and he will see us through that we begin to look at, at, a, at the situation, not in a negative light, but in the light of Romans 8, 28, that says that all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. All things. And so this, this morning, whatever you may be going through, and I, I don't want to make light of your situation, 
But I want you to look to the Lord to begin to give thanks. Last week, I, I, I mentioned something about holding your breath. The other day, I had somebody come to me and said, without any context, said, uh, I tied you. He says, I didn't beat you, and I didn't, I didn't lose. I tied you. And I was like, what, what, are you, what are you talking about? And it was about holding your breath. He says, you know what? I was good, just like you, up until 43 seconds, and it was, I'm done. I can't hold my breath any longer. And we recognize the, the ruah of God to give us life and to give us not just life physically, but to give us life spiritually and eternally. Praise God. Today, I want to talk, talk a little bit about our heart. And it's interesting, uh, every other week I have uh, Ethan, he, he does a lot of our social media stuff, and um, so I don't even know what it's on, but uh, some of you, what, Instagram, Facebook, so there's a question every week. Uh, and so usually it's always a, a back and forth between Pastor Joel and I to answer that question. And so as I had uh, planned, I had planned for uh, six weeks for this, um, this series. And the amazing thing is this, like I didn't know when I, f when I first started how long it was going to be. And I just recognized, okay, as I always do, this is, there's no way I can do this in one week. And it, so it extends. But for this week, I didn't have anything. So I had up to week four, and then I had week six for next week when we're going to have our, our celebration and, and membership acceptance and all of that. I had next week already. I know what I'm speaking on, but this week was blank. Last week, uh, if I'm not mistaken, there was no uh, answer to the question or it went out. And even this week, there was still a delay. And it was all about speaking about guarding the heart. And it was this, this aspect of our heart and the importance of our heart. So we're going to be talking about that today is to give thanks for our heart or for my heart as we take it personally. Lord, I give you thanks for my heart. If I could have you do one thing for me just at this moment, I'll see where you guys are at. And now let me just uh, set my timer here. Hold on a sec. I'm going to set my, my clock. What I want you to do, um, and I, let me see if I can do this here. Whoops. Oh, it's not going to do it for me. Can somebody get me 15 seconds on their clock? I'm trying to switch over to seconds here, and it's not. Oh, here's, anyways. Anybody, who's going to time for me? 15 seconds. All right. Somebody timing? Or is going to time for me? Somebody have a clock, a watch, or their phone? Who's got? It? Put up your hand, please. Who's got it? Okay, Josh, Josh. Okay, here's what I want everybody to do. If I could have you just here's the center of our our throat, and there's our Adam apple, just to the to the left or right. Take two fingers. I want you to find your pulse. Okay. Does everybody got it? Okay. If you don't have your pulse, uh, you're not dead yet because you're still here. You're. I see you. Nobody's slumped over but uh you're so you're still alive okay so everybody got their pulse okay so josh is you're going to give us a countdown and then hit that thing and when 15 seconds is up basically uh just yell it out or say time up or whatever and then what we're going to do 
we're going to multiply whatever number you get by four, which will be your heart rate for one minute, which when you go to the hospital, that's what the nurse does, takes your heart rate for one minute. So let me just get mine again. Okay, whenever, whenever you're ready. Okay, all right, good stuff. Okay, so how, how many are under 50? Anybody under 50? Really? Okay, good stuff, 50. Or your multiplication is off. No, okay, all right. 50 is good, 50 is good, uh, absolutely. Okay, anybody uh, under, under 60? Or between 50 and 60, okay, a few of you? Between 70 and 80? Okay. How many, 80 and 90? Okay, a whole whack of you, 80, 80 to 90. And that's basically, that's a normal heart rate, seated heart rate after singing or whatever. You haven't, you're still coming down off of, of whatever, clapping. Uh, 90 to 100? Anybody? Okay. My, my heart rate was at uh, 108. Okay, it was 108. Part of that is because I'm, I'm moving, I'm talking, and all of that. The good thing about this is you are all alive. You are all alive. And, yeah, thank you, Lord. Praise God, we are alive. Ephesians 2 verse 1 says, and we're talking, we want to talk about a healthy life. We want to talk about our heart, watching our heart. What does that mean? What does it mean to our, regarding our heart? Because it's not just physical. Our heart is way more than just our, our physical, this physical pump in our, our body. It takes in more than just that organ. Our heart, when, when the Lord speaks of the heart, is way beyond that. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And uh, just to have a healthy heart, okay? So, Ephesians 2, 1 says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, but what I want, fulfilling desires of the flesh, what I want and what my flesh desires and craves, and of the mind, what comes to mind, and we're by nature children of wrath, just as others, and you might say, not just the wrath that you might pour out on others, but also the wrath of God to be poured out on you and me. That's how we were without the Lord. But he made us alive. But God, who is rich in mercy, and this morning, if you are just alive physically, you are dead spiritually. And I want to let you know this morning that, that you can make sure that you have life spiritually because your spiritual life is way more important than your physical life. It's appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. And the moment we die, we, we are judged immediately as to where we're going to spend eternity. And so this morning, I want to make sure one of the, the tasks 
that I have as a pastor is to oversee the flock, to feed the flock, and to make sure that you make it when the trumpet sounds or when your time is up here on earth, that you make it right to the end. So today, I want you to grab a hold of this word. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. So it's nothing that we could earn. You can't work your way in, into heaven as good as you might be. And there's a lot of good people out there. And even as a, an unbeliever, there's a lot of good people. However, they cannot be saved by their goodness. Our, our righteousness is like filthy rags, as good as we can be before a holy God. It is like filthy rags, and we need Jesus. And so God, who is rich in his mercy, he loved us. Even as we were dead in trespasses, made us alive with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So it doesn't end just now. We're talking for eternity, for the ages to come. I cannot wait. I can't wait for, for not just the trumpet to sound, but I, I can't wait to come back here on earth after seven years to be part of the millennial reign of Jesus Christ for a thousand years, according to his word. Hallelujah. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It's not by anything we can do. For we are his workmanship, creating Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I say, thank you, Lord. You have prepared for every single person on this planet as they place their faith in Jesus to have a specific plan unroll and be fulfilled. And we can hinder that plan or we can say, let it happen. Today, my prayer is that you would let the will of God that's specific and unique to your life be fulfilled, that it would unroll. Hallelujah. So you might say, this passage here, when we, we were raised to new life, when did it happen? It happened the moment you heard, most likely you heard the gospel, which is the good news of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ and him crucified for our sins. And you heard about that, and you recognized and acknowledged and confessed, I am a sinner. I have sinned. And if you haven't done that, Lord, I confess to you, I'm a sinner. If you're not saved here today, you would have an opportunity. Lord, I confess that I'm a sinner. And that we would recognize, we would acknowledge and confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus died for us, that he was buried, and that he rose again, that he's not dead, but he rose again for our sins, that you would recognize, acknowledge it, confess it with your mouth, and believe it in your heart. He's the only one that can save you. The man that stood or, or hung on the cross beside Jesus, there's two of them, 
with the confession of his mouth and by his faith, this terrible man, I would say he was more than a criminal. I would probably say he probably had taken a life or more than one life or many lives. He was not a good man. But he said to the other thief that hung on the other side of Jesus, he, he, he confessed his sins in just the simple statement of saying, we deserve to be up here. Basically, he said, we deserve to be up here. He acknowledged his sin, and he turned to Jesus, and he said, remember me today when you come into your kingdom. He acknowledged Jesus, who he was, even as Jesus was dying, and he said, and Jesus said, today you would be with me in paradise. Those all three men died that day. They didn't have to break any bones in Jesus' body, but they probably broke the legs of those two men on either side so that they would not live past that day. Most all the times they would live because it was a high day uh, of, of, of the, the Passover and all of that. They didn't want anybody hanging on the cross, the Jews. And so these men's legs most likely were broken that, that day so that they would die. So that even the statement that Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise, took place. And one of these days, I'm looking forward uh, to meeting this man. And, and we, we will be able to talk to him about what made him change. What made him change his mind? Because earlier he was mocking Jesus just like the other one. They were both mocking Jesus. And something happened that he recognized that Jesus was not just a man. That he was the son of God. And maybe it was the, 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 the sun being blo blocked and, the going and being like dark in the middle of the day. Maybe it was the earthquake that, that shook. Because even the centurion and the, the soldiers recognized that Jesus, he is the son of God. These were hardened men that had seen death and dying and were used to crucifixion and, and recognizing and making a statement, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the Son of God. Our heart, that we would allow Jesus to come into our life. In Revelations 3.20, there's, uh, Jesus is speaking by the Holy Spirit, is saying, hey, there's a knocking, it says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And it's a, it's a church where Jesus is no longer even part of the church. And I'll tell you right now, there are churches where Jesus is no longer a part of the church. And he's knocking because he's on the outside trying to get in. The Laodicean church, it says the church of the Laodiceans. It doesn't even say the church in Laodicea. It says the church of the Laodiceans. All the other churches, six churches mentions, mentioned, the other ones, it's always the church of Ephesus, the church of Smyrna, the church of Philadelphia, the church of Sardis, all these different churches, the church in these different cities. That one is the church of the Laodiceans, and they thought they were in the right place. And Jesus is trying to get in. I'll tell you, he's trying to get in, not into only lukewarm churches, but he's also trying to get in to every life. And even as he knocks on, the, on our heart's door, and even as he calls on us, he says, let me come in. Open the door. I want to come into your life. And today, 
you will have an opportunity to give your life to Jesus. You can do it right now if you'd like. Jesus, I'm a sinner. I believe in what you did for me on the cross 2,000 years ago. You took all my sins upon yourself. You are the only one that can forgive sins. I believe it. I confess it with my mouth. I believe it in my heart. Come into my life. You say, Pastor, is it that easy? Absolutely. It is that easy. You may say, how do I know? Because I've seen it happen in so many lives. And most of all, I saw it happen in my own life. When I made that confession and there was salvation that came to me, the best decision I made in my life, I was seven years of age, is the greatest decision I made in my life. It affected every part of my existence. That is the moment that Jesus comes into our life when we let him in. I've had somebody, very interestingly enough, confess sin, confess Jesus' death and resurrection, but would not allow Jesus into their life. Say, do you want Jesus to come into your life? No. Like, that's a critical thing to allow Jesus in. We can know we're sinners and about sin. We can know about Jesus and that he died for us and believe it. But if we don't let Jesus into our heart and into our lives, we have no life. We need to be alive. I began today by reading from Psalm 95. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. What a beautiful praise that went up today. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is the great God and the great King above all gods. In his hands are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are his also. The sea is his, for he made it. And his hands formed the dry land. All that is, not just on this earth, but all of creation, all of the universe, every single part he spoke into existence. And with man, he formed Adam with his hands and he breathed life, the spirit of God into him. And there was life. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Are you glad you've got a shepherd? Hallelujah, someone that watches over you. Now, the last few verses are very interesting in this chapter. Listen, it's about the heart. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion, as in the day of trial in the wilderness. When your fathers tested me, they tried me, though they saw my work. For 40 years, I was grieved with that generation and said, it is a people who go astray in their hearts and they do not know my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. There was a whole generation or a few generations over the age of 20 that did not enter the promised land, that did not enter the rest. It's interesting here, they hardened their hearts to rebel. You know, when it comes to a rebellious child, it's at a very young age. Parents, remember your children at the terrible twos by two? It's like, no. Deal with it the very first time it happens. Deal with it quickly. 
deal with it effectively, deal with it with love, deal with it with firmness. As my dad used to say, there's nothing wrong with applying the board of knowledge to the seat of education. Was that it, Andrew? Okay, very sorry. The board of the board of education to the seat of knowledge. That that's much better. Thanks. The board of education to the seat of knowledge. We many of us. So there is nothing wrong. In fact, we need to be corrected when we step out of line. It's always for our benefit, especially when the Lord corrects. So this guarding my heart, and this was a question that we had, and I, I just want to thank Ethan for these questions that are brought up. He he gets these questions together, and, and so we respond as pastors. Once again, you get an opportunity to read it. And uh, so the question was, what does it mean to guard your heart? And so part of, of today is, is an expanding of that, that question, answering that question. Guarding your heart is all about making sure what keeps us alive keeps pumping strongly. So guarding your heart is about taking care of your heart. If we allow things in our bodies that are detrimental to the heart, it may become sick or weak or even cause death. We're talking physically. So we, gotta, we watch our heart. Yesterday, there was a, we were at a, a, a conference. And uh, anyways, afterwards, there was uh, a bunch of guys, young, younger guys playing basketball. And... Um, at one point, so I, I stepped into the men's room, and uh, so I had some of these young bucks had taken off their shirt, shirts or whatever. They were so hot. There was this one guy, and he was, and he was. So then the next thing you know, how, what guys do in, in the washroom? These younger guys were flexing their muscles just to see how you know. But the one guy was saying, "Man, I am so, like I, I am just sweating so much." He says, "I am so out of shape." And I could see, yeah, the guy was just soaking wet and uh, he's just trying to dry himself off as he's flexing his muscles. But he recognized, man, my, my heart, my heart, is I'm out of shape. I'm out of shape. And he was probably in his, I don't know, around 20, early 20s, stocky guy. We need to keep our heart in shape. We need to make sure... It says in Proverbs 4.23, it says, Keep your heart with all diligence. Diligence is with all care, carefully. Keep your heart with all diligence. Listen. For out of it spring the issues of life or the source of life. So out of our heart springs the source of life to have life. So we, ought, we have to watch our heart. We have to keep it with diligence. Now, life comes from out of the heart. From out of the heart springs this life. Physically, definitely, but way more is spiritually. And I'm not saying, and well, let me expand on this. What is the heart? It, the, guarding your heart or the heart itself goes be, beyond the physical organ and the physical aspect of our life. 
the heart or the word cardia not only means that this thing that beats at around right now, probably around, yeah, just over 100 beats per minute. But it also denotes the center of all physical and spiritual life. It includes the soul and spirit, which consist of our mind, thoughts, decisions, desires, passions, affections, purposes, endeavors, inclinations, motivations, morality, will, the affecting of choices of life, and ultimately our eternity with or without God. That's your heart. It's a lot of stuff. And the Lord is saying, you need to guard your heart. Proverbs 17, 3 says, the refining pot is for silver. In fact, used to sing a song, refiner's fire, my heart's desire. Make me pure, make me holy. And this refiner's fire for silver, the pot, they know that the silver is refined when the refiner can see his own image in the silver. Otherwise, it's dull. You can't see. There's no reflection. That's good, isn't it? The, fa the Father, or God, is, is refining us. We are being refined. And the heart of God, even in, the, in this heat, so there's a heating of this pot, and this thing gets to a certain temperature until to the right moment when there's this mirror-like effect that takes place in the silver. This silver on the top then is refined. The rest, the, the impurities that are in there are, are, are removed or are sinking to the bottom or wherever they may sink. But on the top, there's a reflection, and the refiner says, okay, here, I'm taking this now. The heart of God is, even in the hard times and the difficult times, that there, there would be a refining. Have you ever been changed because of difficult times? Don't, don't say, oh, God, but why? But just, Lord, okay, if there's changes that need to be taking place in me through this, let it take place, that I could be changed to be more like your image. The refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold. The furnace is even hotter so that the gold will melt. And the thing about the, the gold, when gold becomes liquid at a very, very high temperature, it's, it's one of the densest, or I think it is the densest uh, element on the planet is gold. And so they, they put it in a very hot furnace and, and the furnace... When it gets to, I don't know, whatever temperature it is, I, I'm sure Siri could give me the answer, but probably a few thousand degrees. And then it becomes this molten stuff. And the amazing thing is because it's so dense, every impurity that is not gold is lighter, will come to the top and be exposed and be taken away and can be taken away. And so you have 10 karat gold, 24 karat gold is, is softer but yet it is more refined. There's less impurities in it. There's less things mixed into it. To a certain extent, gold needs to have a little bit of other elements to make it a little bit harder so that it can uh, keep its shape and things like that. However, so the refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the hearts. It's the Lord that tests our heart. 
and it is for our good. Someone say, God, why are you testing me? The testing of the Lord in our lives is to sh- not that he, he knows our hearts. And it says in Jeremiah, it says that the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? It says, God knows, and he searches the reins, the intents of the heart. And so it's more so, it's not for God to know. He knows who we are. But it's for us for it be, to be revealed in us. This is who we are. And so God tests the heart so we can see there are, there are areas in my life that I need to change. Just like the silver, the reflection of the refiner or the gold with all the impurities coming up and being removed. It's God then that tests. It's not, it's not the fire of, of, of temperature, but it, it's the thing of God to test, to say, hey, these things need to get out of your life. So he, this word test means to examine, prove what sort it is. There's this aspect, once again, of revealing to us the heart, our heart. Now, you might say, now what's my heart like? I want to do a quick checkup on your heart. How many of you have had a checkup recently? You had to go to the doctors, and maybe some of you. You had to go. I know usually when they go into the, when you go into the hospital, the very first thing they, they'll do is they'll take your blood pressure, the basics, check out what your blood pressure is at and all that kind of stuff. And then they take your blood, and they, they check that out. And so they go through different tests that they may do to see where you are, where you're, where you're at. And for us, for a heart checkup, and sometimes even when it, when it comes to doing a physical, they get you on a treadmill to get moving, to get the heart rate up. They want to see, where's your heart at? Where's your heart at? Luke 8, verse 4. And you can also read portions of this or the same thing or very similar in Matthew uh, chapter 13 and, and uh, Mark, verse 4. So this is Luke 8, 4. And when a great multitude had gathered and they had come to him from every city, he spoke by parable. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, so sower, he's spreading, throwing out the seed. He's probably walking backwards. He's got this blanket here. And he's grabbing and he's just going like this, casting, broadcasting, and even as he's going backwards. All right? So he's sowing a seed. And as he's sowing... It says, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. It was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Okay, so some went onto the the path, and it was trampled down by those that were walking, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. It's a hundred times what from one seed, a hundred seeds. From a hundred seeds, 10,000 seeds. Okay, so multiplying by a hundred. When he had said these things, he cried, He who has an ear, or he who has ears to hear, let him hear. This morning, in Jesus' name, I rebuke anything that would distract right now. In Jesus' name, listen. In Jesus' name, listen. Then his disciples asked him, saying, What does this parable mean? And he said, To you it has been given 
to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is given in parables that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. And this is the thing. If you really, really want to know for the blessing of God in your life, the condition of your heart, and all of these things, you will hear with the intent of not just hearing to, to understand, but to, to get it into your life, to have the mysteries of the kingdom of God. So those that really don't want to know, it's not revealed to them. It's not important to them. Nice parable, Jesus. It's interesting. It'd be interesting to know of the thousands probably that were there that day, how many of them actually went to see Jesus after and say, or, or were there sitting with the disciples. Be interesting to know. So I want to talk about the condition of our heart. The condition of my heart. The parable is this. The seed is the word of God. How do we respond to the word of God? Those by the wayside are the, are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts. Lest they should believe and be saved. So the, the, the seed is the word. And it's sown into our heart. Into I'm not talking our physical heart. I'm talking into our spiritual being. And it's planted. It's sown in there. And because there is a hardness of heart, they really don't want to receive it. And listen, I'll tell you, you can come to church and you can leave the church and you really don't take anything with you because you're really either distracted or not paying attention or it's not important to you. I'll tell you right now, the enemy comes and he takes that seed away from you. Every single time the word of God is spoken or preached, listen, grab a hold of it, and apply it in your life. And we'll see what this is. Otherwise, that word is taken out. I thank God we have our, uh, all our messages on video or on podcasts or whatever. You can listen to them. If you miss a, a word, if you, if you miss a Wednesday, you can hear it. You can hear it. Ah, it's not that important. You miss a Sunday. Ah, it's not that important. And we miss out on the word. So our heart is like, you know what? It's, I, I really don't care. And so the enemy comes and he takes that seed. And there is no potential for a hundredfold. We're talking about a hundredfold in your life. For every command that the Lord would give you, he's saying, I want it to be a hundredfold in your life. And we say, no. I'm going to do my own thing because I got a hard heart. Or, you know what? Not just a hard heart. I got a proud heart, and I, can, I know everything. I don't really need to listen to you, God. And so we miss out. We're talking about the issues of life, the source of life, and we're missing out. Our heart should be fed, or there should be seeds sown in. The Word of God, as He speaks life into us and for us, that we grab a hold of it. And here we are, we have a hard heart, just like in the rebellion. They were stubborn, a stiff-necked people, and they didn't come into the rest. They didn't come into the promised land. They did not. It's a, an amazing illustration. And here the word of God is like, don't be like that. The psalmist writes, don't be like that. Even in, in the New Testament, don't be like those, those, that stiff-necked, rebellious people. 
All right. So not only a hard heart, we can have a stony heart. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, they receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while in a time of temptation, they fall away. A stony heart. Let me expand on this, because Matthew mentions something very interesting. I like what Matthew says. He says, Matthew 13, 21, yet, this is the stony heart, yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while, for when tribulation or persecution arises, now listen, because of the word. There is a persecution and a tribulation that arises because of the word. Which word? The word of God. And immediately, it says, immediately he stumbles. Listen, I've had people walk out on some of the most serious situations of their life, one of them being marriage. I had a couple come. I think they just got married in September here. Not from this church. They had come to the church specifically with the intent, can you marry us? I said, I'll marry you, but I need to have at least seven sessions with you. They, I got a note after the very first session. Now, what, you might say, Pastor, what were you dealing with here? I had Christians, confessed Christians, young Christians, what else? Had, had bought a house together and were moving in, and they had already moved in together. They, weren't not, they were not married. They had family. They had both had children. And so their, their partners had left them. So they, they had the right to get married. I said to them, you know what? You still have months. This was early in the year. You have months between now and you getting married. It says that we should abstain from the appearance of evil. We're not even talking from evil, from the appearance of evil. So you guys, I, I tr found out when they got saved and all of this. I said to them, I said, you have, I think at that point there were five pairs of eyes that are watching you that all understand everything that's going on. It wasn't like they were little babies or anything. We're talking teenagers. And they're watching their mother and father-to-be or their father and mother-to-be. They're watching you when it comes to who you are before God. The stony ground, this was stony ground. It was they received the word with joy, salvation, they have no root who believe for a while in time of temptation fall away. In this case, tribulation and persecution arose because of the word. And the word that I said to them is this. You can't be living together. So you make arrangements. You ask for forgiveness for, from each other. Ask for forgiveness from the Lord. And make rearrangements. You can do this. And I'll tell you right now, there are people... 
pastors or whatever would say, you know what, ah, yeah, it's really inconvenient. It's very inconvenient. You know what, it's all right. Just keep doing what you're doing. Hey, we're not, we're not doing anything. We might be sleeping in the same bed, but we're not doing anything. Yeah, sure, sure. I say that to, to the men. Yeah, sure. We're not doing it. Well, you know what? That's why it says even the appearance of evil. Even the appearance of evil. Get It doesn't look good. Your neighbors, hey, I'm a Christian. You guys married? No. Well, we're, no, we're Christians. Guess what? We're getting married. Another six months. And so there's a stumbling block that takes place. And pastors and counselors would say, it's okay. It's really inconvenient, but you know what? It's, it's all right. I'll tell you, it's not all right. It's called fornication. And there's consequences for fornication. So there's a persecution, a tribulation that arises because of the word, and immediately they stumble. That's exactly what happened. The same day, I got a text back, and we were together for a good hour and a half, and there was, there was tears and there was a weeping, and most of it was mine. I thought everything was, was okay, and it's not the first time this has happened. I had someone get saved at that very first session that I had, and when I said they were already living together, I said, they already had a, she was pregnant. Can you guys be apart until you get married? And there was a persecution and a tribulation that arose because of the word, and they stumble. They're excited about Jesus. But Lord, I don't want to follow you. I'm not going to heed the word of God. You need to heed the word of God because it brings life. Hallelujah. It brings, so the thing of life coming into you, into your heart, that soil of your heart, is to bring life. Unless you might say, man, I've messed up in the past. Thank God for his grace and mercy that says, you know what? We can come to him. We confess our sins. We repent. We confess our sins. And he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. I had other people. They listened. They came, salvation came. I had a couple, a number of years back come to me. Neither of them was saved. They got saved. They're still together. I had another couple just a, a few years back, two, three years ago. One, one was recognizing, man, I am not in a good place. Had rededicated their life to the Lord got things right and said, I need to, we need to get married like fast. The very first session, his wife gave her life to the Lord. I say, thank you, Lord, that we would not stumble because of the word. You've got a stony heart if you can't receive the word. And there's a persecution and a tribulation that arises because of the word, and so you stumble. Don't stumble. You don't want to be stumbling. The thorny ground. Now the ones that fell upon or among the thorns are those who when they have heard go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. There's no, 
no fruit, there's no real change in their life. Nothing is allowed to grow. And so there's this thing of a choking out. So do you have a thorny heart? Do you have thorns in your heart that are choked out with, I like what Matthew says, he says, the cares of this world. You're caught up with the things of this world and riches. You're caught up with the deceitfulness of riches. I just need to make more money. Man, I can make some, lots of money. here. Now listen, it's the love of money that is the root of evil, not money. I have no problem with people being good stewards and godly stewards of what God has given them. But if there is a thorny heart, thorns in your heart, check yourself. You know what? What, what have I done for the Lord since I got saved? What am I doing for the Lord? Who am I? And I recognize in this day and age, man, do we have to work. And sometimes we have to work extra hours because things are expensive. But I'm telling you, Lord, I will not allow the cares of this world, of this life, the bills, the whatever, the deceitfulness of riches. Mark says the third thing. The, Luke says the pleasures of life choke out. We're all caught up with the pleasures of life. Having a good time. And once again, I have nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with having a good time. But I'll tell you right now, if that's all you do in your spare time, like I can't, if something else comes up, sorry, Lord, not sorry. Can't do it. And you look at yourself, you examine yourself, there is no fruit. Let me get to the the noble and good heart. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble, the word noble is a genuine heart, or it's genuine, it's for real. Your heart is for real. Man, Lord, I do want to serve you. Man, I want to serve you, Lord. Lord, speak into my life. I like the other, another word that they use for noble is approved. The Lord approves of this heart, this noble heart that says, Lord, let your will be done in my life. Lord, let your will be done in my life. I need your will to be done in my life. I got a big clock right in front of me. Oh, my goodness. Ah. Okay, let me move quickly here. And I close, I'll close with these few thoughts here. It says... Having heard the word, do you look forward to hearing the word? Or it's like, uh, do, you, do you take time to read the word? I, I like the challenge of uh, going through the Bible in a whole year. Now, there's times where I may get behind. I catch up. The other week I looked, and, I, and I'm in the Word, but, but when it comes just to reading the Word, outside of preparation and all of that, just to read the Word, the other, the other week I was like five days behind. It was like, oh man, i got to catch up here. I like the reminder. I look on here, I'm five days behind, and so I get caught up. I like the challenge, and I also like the feeding of the Word into my life. Lord, let me be fed by your Word. I love your Word. It's good to me. 
because I, as I know it's good to me, because when I do it, man, are we blessed. We have life a hundredfold. And I like what Luke says. He doesn't say 30, 60, 100, or 60, or 100, 60, and 30. He says a hundredfold. I want the most, everything that you can give me. So they hear the word. So I'm going to hear the word, read the word. They keep the word. Another, the definition of this word to keep is to have it, hold it, retain it, keep it secure, keep firm possession of it. I like the illustration that goes with this word. It's like a checking of the course of the ship to hold or head the ship. I'm not going off course. That's the word. That's keeping the word. It keeps me on track. Let me just say this. You know what? People, they'll go to somebody. They'll, they, they, they want to go to somebody, especially if they want direction. Just tell me what I want to hear. So if you tell me what I want to hear, I'm in agreement. Good, thank you. What does the Word of God say? As a pastor, it is all about the Word. It is all about the Word. I need to stand on the Word. I need to live the Word myself. I cannot preach something and then not, not do it myself. Otherwise, there's a big conviction that comes. And I'll let me, there's, hey, there's times where his conviction may come to me or it comes to me, and the Holy Spirit is saying, this thing here, you need to change it. There's something that has come up in the last week and a half, two weeks. And there's a part of me that says, yeah. The flesh is saying, yeah, 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 go for it. This is, and I try to justify it. If you try to justify behavior, and in the back, the Holy Spirit is saying, no, 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 that's not right. And so, I, no, I'm going to heed the word of God, and I'm going to take that word of God, and I'm going to grab a hold of it in a good and noble heart, because not only will there be a keeping of the word, but there's a bearing of fruit with patience. Can I have the worship team come up? There's a, there's a bearing of fruit with patience. This word patience is steadfastness. The fruit starts to grow, and it doesn't stop. You ever, the other day... Julie got some uh, plums, and uh, they're, they're plums, right? Yeah. And it was, they're huge. Like, they're like small apples. But they were so hard. It was like, you bite into it, and it's like, oh, my goodness, they're not ready yet. They looked like they were ripe on the outside, but they were hard, and they were so sour, and they just needed more time. Patience. With steadfast, I'm going to hang on that the fruit can grow in me because it's going to be tasty to others. You know you're doing well when you're becoming fruitful. And you know what? Yesterday, I was on this panel, and there was this talk of, you know what? Uh, pastors need to move on and let the younger generation absolutely but it's like, well, pastors, there's a retirement. So in my mind, I figure, well, you know what? Mid to late eight, uh, 80s, no. Mid to late 60s, that, I would retire. That's a good time. 
But who knows? I, I had somebody else say, no, at 65, you should retire. Their denomination in South Africa, at 65, you have to retire. And then every year you have to have the recommendation of the church and whatever. Not a bad thing necessarily. But I don't think the work of uh, an individual ever stops. We, that we would be fruitful, whether I'm a pastor or not, that I would be fruitful. Let me be fruitful. Let, let us be fruitful right until the day of the Lord. Just a little bit of help. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. We're talking love the Lord. That is a key to healthy living. He says again, if you love me, keep my commandments. It's like, oh, my goodness, your word is so important. Keeping your commandments is even more important. Lord, I don't know if I can do this. Can I give you some encouragement? Because you say, I, it's so hard to keep his commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. Just a few things. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What and where is your treasure? What is your treasure? Is, is my treasure the Lord? So if it's not, get that right. But the second thing that I want to say to you is this. John 14, verse 16. And this is right after Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Let's stand together. Let's stand together. He says, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. The Holy Spirit is there to help. I acknowledge there's no way that I can keep, and I'm not talking about salvation here, but to keep all the commands. Lord, I need your help. Holy Spirit, you dwell within me. I need your help today. Often we do things in our own strength and we grieve the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is within us and he wants to help us and we're, we're doing it all on our own, in our own strength. Holy Spirit, I need your help even to keep the command of the Lord because I want to show that I love him so much. When it comes to the fruitfulness, I'll tell you right now, you want to be fruitful? Not just having a, the earnest of your spirit, but to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Lord, let me be baptized in your spirit. To, to be within the spirit, to move with the spirit, to be driven by the spirit of God like Jesus was. I love what it says. That even as he came out of the water, the spirit descended upon him. And there was this, the spirit without measure and it led him and it drove him to what he needed to do and even to going right to the cross. Lord, let that be in our life. Let that be in our life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. Is there anybody that needs to get right with the Lord? I want to pray with you. Or if you haven't given your life to the Lord, I want to pray with you. Is there anybody that needs to have some things changed in your heart? Or you say, you know what? I'm, I'm good. If that's you, if you need a change of heart, 
even today, you're just saying, I need to have things. Can I have you? I want you to, I want you to make a, a thing of boldness. I want you to make a, a commitment. I'm going to make a commitment to the Lord to surrender to him, to give him all my heart, to do the things that he, he's, he wants to do in my life. I give myself over to Jesus. I want you to raise your hand if that's you. I want Jesus to have com- complete control of my life. Is there anybody? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I should see every single person's hand up here. My hand is up. I, are you, am I putting pressure, peer pressure? <laughs> yeah, I am. Commit. Commit. Commit to the Lord. Lord, I'm, I'm giving you my life. I'm giving you my life today. I want to be fruitful. I don't want to have a hard heart. I don't want a stony heart. I don't want a thorny heart. I want a good and noble heart. Lord, this, this morning, in Jesus' name, Lord, I just pray as you see the hands across this place, Lord, there's not a surrender. It's not a surrender to, to me. But Lord, it's a surrender to you. Lord, that I would have a good heart. Lord, I'm praying for myself as well. That I would have a noble and good heart in Jesus' name. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of any, even the, the iniquities, the, the tendencies that I have, Lord. Forgive me of those iniquities. Lord, I thank you this morning that it is by your broken body and your bloodshed Lord, that there is a work done, and I believe you have taken care of my sins. You've taken care of my iniquities. And Lord God, I surrender and I yield to you to making changes in me. To make changes in me that you would be glorified. Lord, that there would be a fruitfulness about my life. Lord, that I would keep your word like a seed that will bear fruit with patience, with steadfastness, with with endurance, with constancy, the things that you have for my life, for our lives. Lord, let them be done before you return with whatever time we have, Lord, if it's hours or days or weeks or months or years. Regardless, Lord, right to the end, Lord, let my life be right before you. In Jesus' name. So you do that work. I surrender to you. I submit to you. Move by your spirit. Hallelujah. Lord, those that are giving their life to you this morning for the first time, Lord, I just pray, Lord, they would grab a hold as they said, Lord, I'm a sinner. My faith is in who you are, what you did for me on the cross. As you took all my sins upon yourself, you died, you, you were buried, and you rose again, and I'm asking you into my life. Lord, as those, are, those individuals grab a hold of this and grab a hold of you, Lord, that there would be such growth in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lord, I just pray blessing on this house. Lord, even as we close and worship, Lord, I just pray that your blessing and your, your uh, hand and your, your smile, your grace, your mercy, your love, your joy, your peace, Lord, your purposes, your, your future for us will come upon us and it would be done in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let's close in worship, and as we finish, you're dismissed. What an awesome God we have. Love you guys. Let's worship him.
Hey, Lighthouse family, thanks so much for tuning in to another one of our podcast sermons. I'm Pastor Joel Sloss. For more podcasts, media, and live stream services at lighthouseniagara.com, Sundays at 10 o'clock. God bless.